Hello everyone, welcome back to Haunts and Creeps. This is Rose. You are listening to Haunted Items Round 3 Part 2, where Asia covers the Dybbuk box. If you remember from last week, Asia and I had to split our Haunted Items Round 3 episode into two parts. So, welcome, and I hope you enjoy. So, mine. I am covering the Dybbuk box. Oh, yeah. No, dude, yours could be so much cooler than mine. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm going to do a similar origin story set up the way you did, where it's like history, this is what the origin of the word is, a little bit of background into it, and then we're going to go down the uh, trail of the fame, I guess, of how the big box came to be so well known. Yeah, because that's um, one that definitely shows up every time I search haunted items. Yes, it's a big one. Um, I tried to do different ways of research. I ended up just finding a bunch of different articles. I tried to listen to the And That's Why We Drink episode 11 where M covers it, but I didn't want to take too much from that. Right. So I just kept digging what I could. So there's going to be a lot of quotes in this. Do you want me to say quote every time I quote something from one of the articles? Because I didn't I like... I mean, technically, if it's a quote, you should probably say quotes. I'll say quote, but I didn't attach each link to each quote. It's Whatever. all at the bottom of my notes. So <laughs> Great. If you say quote, so... that's good enough. <laughs> Sweet. Then we'll do it that way. All right. So a dibic, the word is abbreviated... An abbreviated Hebrew verb that translates to meaning adhere to or cling to. So Ugh. attachment. I already don't like that. I would say I can't read Yiddish or proper Hebrew, but this that was a loose translation according to Wikipedia. <laughs> um, the full, like I said, it was abbreviated. So like the full word, which was written in Hebrew and I can't read it, but it translates to a cleavage of an evil spirit. Those are very different. Ghostly boobs is what I picture. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, okay, but like, cleavage of a spirit, boobs, and fucking attachment. I'm confused. Well, I think they're going with the cleavage of an evil spirit as being like the separation. And I'll get a little bit further into that right now, actually. So... In the history, a dybbuk box is said to contain the malicious spirit or dislocated soul of a deceased person, or a space for a discharged spirit to occupy after it has been exorcised from a person. Oh, so it's like a vessel that... It's like Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So a dybbuk is the term for what's inside. The box is the prison that holds it. So technically... Sorry, the puppy is whining at the door. Technically... Fucking dogs, man. A dybbuk box can be anything, like even a mirror. You could get a spirit trapped inside the mirror. Technically, by these definitions, it could be considered a dybbuk box, even though it is not. It doesn't open and doesn't have hinges or drawers or anything. But the dybbuk box is actually a box. We'll get to it. Oh. So. I thought dybbuk boxes were the boxes with like wax and shit on them. You can find some. Yeah. Oh. You look up dig a Dybbuk box and you get a lot. You get A, the main Dybbuk box everyone thinks of or hears of. You get the movie. You get a book. Or I found a website that just has Dybbuk boxes and they all look different and who knows what the fuck's attached to them. So you can all just right. buy Dybbuk boxes. Yeah, that sounds like a bad idea. 
Yeah. I was doing research and one of them was like writing a blog about what they were experiencing and they said the article quoted the website, like here's the website and I went to the website and it changed itself. Like whoever did it went into the code or whatever and you type in those words.com and everything, it reroutes you to their website where they sell Dybbuk boxes. Oh, weird. <laughs> Just randomly stumbled across that. Okay. So from what I researched, a disembodied spirit was so sinful that they were not allowed to ascend after death and basically doomed to walk the earth and ha just have the chance to inhabit a body. That was their best goal, hence possession. But it, the way I was reading it, it didn't sound like it was a demonic possession. It sounded like it was just an evil... It was a person at one point who's been banished from their body and from anywhere else. So they're like in limbo here on the earth, just getting more and more pissed off. So it could look demonic... But it's not actually a demon. Okay. So, it's a little fuzzy. I read a few different trails into this, and I couldn't get a solid answer on that. But that sounded like it. Um, so, yeah, the general thought is it could... A spirit that was pulled from a body and not allowed to move on, that's already evil and pissed off, could develop into a demon-like behavior, but is not like a demon from hell or something. Right. Okay. So the word was first recorded in the early 16th century, it seems. There were plays written and performed of Bible stories around this time. It is said that if a writer was irreverent or misinterpreted the biblical story and people didn't believe it or it was mocking or paradox... Par parody? parody? What's the word? Yeah. But what's the, what like... I know what you're talking about. It's not parody, <laughs> but it kind of is. Like, it's not paradox. Allegory. Sure. So the story is if they did that, it would open up the home to evil spirits and allow a dibbick into the home. Right. For example, the story of Moses crossing the Red Sea. If someone did not believe in the story or it was written in such a way to disregard what happened, the demon would take up residence or an evil spirit would move in. Interesting. Fun fact, there's actually an opposite word to dibbick. It's iber or iber. What the fuck is an iber? It means impregnation. <laughs> And it's a okay. positive, it's a positive possession. So when a righteous spirit, aka a saint, takes over a person for your period of time versus an evil spirit or demon. However, okay. an Iber must have consent to possess. Saintly oh. presences are not allowed to be rapey. Consent always. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The belief that follows this is that the soul must live through many lives before being allowed to commune with God. So, reincarnation? Whoa, bro. Right? <laughs> All right, so that's the basic history of it. Um, there was a Polish-Yiddish film produced in 1937 titled Der Dybbuk, the Dybbuk. Um, modern media has taken the story and made movies based off similar concepts. In my search, nearly every possession-based horror film came up. <laughs> it's like being credited to it. And yeah, there's also a book about it that you can buy on Amazon for $18. Sweet. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute, too. Um, so, on to the trail of the famed Dybbuk box. So, currently, the man who owns nearly all the haunted items you can get your hands on, Zach Baggins. Baggins. Oh, yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures He's is the current owner. Dumb. He's a fucking idiot. Okay, I'm glad that it's not just me. <laughs> 
he's got such a fan base and I don't understand it. All I see is cowardice shown as bravado. <laughs> and there's so many things, like the couple episodes I've seen and most of what I've heard is like, dude fucking bails. He taunts spirits and then oh yeah, gets all like freaked out when they actually respond. Like, yeah. well, you watch don't piss it off. And he's like, <laughs> yo, did you die here? Are you mad? Let me know in the comment section below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the uh, one of the most recent ones I heard, um, I think it was M from, and that's why we drink, was staying at the Lizzie Borden house, and she got one of the tourist leaders, tour people, who actually was the same person on the episode that they did, and she said they don't show it in this episode, but he and his team booked it at like two in the morning and never came back. <laughs> That's fucking funny. <laughs> so, yeah, just an anecdote. I think he's ridiculous, but he happens to own so many of the things. He finds the things, and so inevitably he's going to end up in a lot of our podcast episodes. Yeah, I know I have used him and his mm -hmm. ghost adventures as a source before, but usually it's fucking dumb, and I think I've done a good job of pointing it out when it is yes. dumb. <laughs> it's always dumb. And I'll bring it up at the end of this, what he did this 2020 Armageddon. Oh, great. So, 2020. <laughs> all right. So he owns the Dybbuk box currently. He's kept it. Um, this box in particular is actually an old small wine cabinet. So it's mm. not a box, like a proper one or a crate or a chest. It's a wine cabinet, but it's only made to hold maybe four bottles of wine. So it looks to be a little over a foot and a half tall, maybe roughly, because it's got a little drawer underneath. So if you're looking at it, it looks like a shrunken wardrobe. You've got two doors that pull out and a drawer in the bottom. Two doors. Do you yeah, think two doors. mine was a Dybbuk box? It was open, but there was something creepy about it. Your what? That box. Oh, yeah. No, that my... box, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it falls within the category of a Dybbuk box, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so looking at it, it doesn't look like it carries a story. It just looks like an antique piece of kitchen decor that isn't well cared for. <laughs> right. Um... So a man by the name of Kevin Manis, he owned and operated a workshop for wooden items and restoration. And this is where our story really starts. Kevin attended an estate sale in the form of an auction versus a yard sale, like versus just buying one, you go and bid on items instead. Uh, he placed a bid on a pallet of items and upon loading up his purchase, he noticed a small aged little wood cabinet thing. It had two doors with metal embellishments on them in the shapes of grapes and a small drawer, just looking those at the front grapes? of it. I'm looking at it. I did not know. It might have been grapevines. No, it's definitely, now that you've said, it's like, yeah, like a collection of grapes. It's old. Really right. old. So, yeah. So Kevin saw it, and he assumed it wasn't supposed to be put up for sale, like it just might have made it into the pile unintentionally. So he went to find the woman in charge of the sale and said, I've got a quote of the interaction, so I'm not going to reword anything here. He bring, he's holding it, and he carries it, and he's walking towards her, and she goes, I see you got the Dybbuk box. Kevin says the young woman told him that the item was a wine box and belonged to her 103-year-old grandmother, Havela, Havela, who had just died, hence the estate sale. Havela was a Jewish immigrant from Poland, and she was sent to Nazi concentration camps along with her entire family. Parents, siblings, she had a husband, and three children. She emerged as the sole survivor. So... Jeez. Upon fleeing to Spain, she bought the wine box and eventually traveled to the United States with hardly anything in her possession. 
but that box came with her. So the wine cabinet was not a treasured keepsake. Havella warned her family never to open the box, and she would spit through her fingers as she spoke of it. I kind of assume like as a, like throwing salt over your shoulder. I think it was one of those type of actions. So just not one we're used to really seeing. Yeah, maybe it's like a Hebrew thing. Could be. No idea. Don't add us. We don't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) So after hearing this heartfelt story and the family significance this box had, Kevin offered to give the box back. Oh, it totally totally is a Jewish superstition. Okay, it is Jewish. You're supposed to spit three times in reaction to something especially good or evil through your fingers. Mm. Thank you for looking that up. Yeet. Um, No. So... Kevin offered to give the box back, but the woman panicked and she said, no, no, you made a deal. Take it and get out of here. She didn't want that thing. And she hurried away. This story of the box is the foundation for the movie The Possession. And it's still on my endless mis- list of movies to watch. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I don't remember it. Um, Kevin sold his narrative for the story in 2004. And in 2012, the movie was released. Mm. His little claim to fame. <laughs> Right. So Kevin took the box back and brought it to his workshop. He had plans to spruce up the cabinet as a gift for his mother's birthday. So he like left it there and Kevin had to run a few errands. So according to his store manager, shit got real. So another quote. Kevin says his store manager called in hysterics. She said someone was ripping apart the basement, smashing lights and cursing. Kevin returned and found his manager cowering on the office floor in a corner. She had had enough, and once he returned, she quit and left the shop that day and didn't come back. <laughs> Shit. So, quote, when I got back to the shop, I went to investigate. I remember heading toward the back and walking into what I can only describe as a wall of scent. It smelled like jasmine flowers. You could take one more step, not smell a thing, take a step back, and be surrounded by it again. So it's almost like... On all those ghost shows where they're like, this air is really cold, but you're Mm -hmm. smelling it. Yep. Hot spots and cold spots are usually simultaneous with the scents. I don't even know what jasmine smells like. You've never had like jasmine tea? (sighs) No. That's my best thought. It's like, I've never smelled them as fresh flowers, but you hear that one a lot. seems Mm. to be a really common scent. So Kevin investigated the basement where the manager had reported hearing someone causing the disturbance. What he saw was this. All the light bulbs were smashed. Heavy tools was, were thrown from one end of the room to the other. In this point, a thick smell of cat urine hanging in the air. Oh, God. So yeah, it went from jasmine flowers to cat urine. And that seems to be the two scents that are always associated with this box. Huh. But you never found an actual person. There was no sign of intrusion. The store manager hadn't seen anyone come in either. There was no reason for any of this mess to have happened. So, a few weeks later... Kevin Manis opened the box. Do you want to know what's inside of it? Yes, because I've been looking at pictures and there's shit in there. I can't tell you what the fuck any of it is. So, upon opening the bottom drawer, the two wine doors opened at the same time. Fuck he wasn't that. intentioning to open them. They just were like, oh, Pandora's <laughs> box. <laughs> so, inside was a small, I think, gold wine goblet. A candle holder. One article said with decorative octopus legs. I don't know. Yes. A dried rosebud and two U.S. wheat pennies minted in 1925 and 1928. I also read different variations on the wording of this, but basically a piece of stone with the Hebrew characters for Shalom engraved on it. 
Yes. And two locks of hair. One jet black and the other a frizzy, frizzy and reddish. Hmm. That's a little concerning. Mm-hmm. And Kevin was like, meh, remove the items from the cabinet and started working on the project. What did he start doing? He took the items out and just started working on the cabinet to get it restored for his mother. Oh, God. That must... Oh, God. That must be why in these pictures, there's no locks of hair. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. Maybe in this one. But yeah, all the things are fucking creepy. The goblet, gold Mm -hmm. and old. The candlestick, Mm -hmm. definitely like weird fucking octopus legs as if it was like melted and like deformed by like being too hot. Mm -hmm. I see the pennies. I see something that looks like a shriveled donut <laughs> and some hair. Yep. And this, did I say the stone? Yeah. Stone suit. Yeah. I'm trying to find this little paragraph I had found. And apparently when I was organizing my notes, I misplaced that specific quote. So basically what I was about to say is the keeping the pennies and coins and the locks of hairs, those are sp- It's more of like a tradition relating to two specific people. Right. People would search through their change and find a, uh, find one with like the birth year of their child on it. And it was like a life token for them to just keep. Um, Oddly enough, I used to do that for myself as a kid. I would search through old fucking coins, find the ones with my birthday year and other people's years, and I would keep them in a little box. Never heard of that. It was just something I did. Maybe in a past life I was Jewish. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, if you open a creepy box, which I have just experienced, I didn't open it, but I have experienced a creepy box. And there's shit inside it. If I had opened that box and there was fucking locks of hair, like specifically there, not like it just floated in. No, like tied locks of cut hair, like either someone died or went away and never came back or something like army. Yeah, there's no uh, fucking way I'm taking that shit out. I'm closing mm-hmm. the box and it's, I don't know, going to get buried or something. With the story of the woman who had this box, I'm wondering if at least one or two of those locks of hair were like either her kids or family members from the concentration camp. Right. Like, that's kind of what it makes me think of. Um, let's see. Okay. So yeah, Kevin started working in the box and it just so happens that he had lunch with his mother on her birthday. Can you guess when her birthday is? Uh, is it your birthday? No. Uh, 666? How about 1031? Oh my god, of course. (laughs) Yes, her birthday is on fucking Halloween. (laughs) So, another quote. He had brought the gift for her birthday. Within minutes of handing it over, Manus says to his mother, oh, he says his mother suddenly began acting strangely. What does that mean? I said, mom, you okay? And she didn't respond. I could see her eyes were welling up with tears. She was just stone-like, and I realized she was having a stroke. Oh, fuck. Like, the second he gives her this box, she has a stroke. That's fucked. Yeah. As his mother was being loaded into an ambulance, Manus claims that a team of law enforcement agents raided his shop and began confiscating merchandise and electrical supplies. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Why? There's no reason for it. At all. Agents from the FBI told him that he wasn't under arrest. He could go to the hospital with his mother. And that was that. So he went. The raid, the raid itself never resulted in charges. It tanked the shop's business. But the FBI would not comment on whether any such raid actually took place. Initially, all Manus got back was the Dybbuk box. And shortly after that, Kevin's identity was stolen as well. So it was like, bad luck. What <laughs> Heavily bad luck. 
Okay, so they raided it, but it wasn't because of the box, because they gave it back, right? And it wasn't because yeah. of his mother, because they let him go see her. Not that you can yeah, really there was, make someone have a stroke, but... As far as we, the little bit I could find, there was no reason for the raid, no reason for anything to happen. He wasn't, like, suspect on anything at all. Just happened to be the same day, Halloween day, his mother has a stroke, and the FBI come and raid his property, his business tanks. What the fuck? Yeah. That's really so he, luck. Yeah, so he went with his mother to the hospital and robbed of her ability to speak. His mother tapped out the words, no gift and hate gift, out on the alphabet card in her hospital bed. Damn, what the fuck? Yeah. So, since his mother didn't want the wine box, Kevin tried to gift it to different family members. <laughs> this included his brother... His sister and his girlfriend. I mean, not one yeah, of... he's at the hospital. He's not thinking that the, that the box has anything to do with it. He's just like, oh, you don't like the gift? Darn. Yeah. You know, like that's not on his mind at all. No. So he just, he gave it to his brother. Brother didn't want it any, after a little bit. Then his sister returned it back to him. His girlfriend gave it back to him. Fuck. <laughs> None of them held that box for very long. And each one reported foul odors. The cabinet would open on its own nightmares and etc they didn't list a lot but those are still three pretty big ones yeah damn so still trying to get rid of this box kevin sold it to a young couple that stopped by his shop shortly after the sale he notices it on the back porch step of his shop with a note that says this has bad darkness bad darkness (laughs) so the couple bought it is bad yeah the couple bought it it was like uh fuck this shit we don't want our money back we're just gonna leave it back on the porch with the note we're we're done (laughs) i mean for real like after the box i just experienced that thing you did not even really i could see it from like 20 feet away it was fucking creepy Mm -hmm. i could see it it through your phone yeah no it it had it was vibing yeah even richard when i showed him the video immediately was like oh that's that's a haunted box i didn't even say anything i just sent him the video he's like that's haunted yep Something lives in you that. That is a dipic tell. Box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So realizing that getting rid of this box was not working, Kevin Manis decided to just take it home. Like, meh, fine, I'll keep it. And this is when he started having interactions with it. The first one starting off with nightmares of a terrifying witch. Mm. And when he conferred with his brother and sister and girlfriend, turns out they had all seen the same old hag attached to that box. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it just, the back of my mind makes me wonder if it was that 103 year old grandma who's like i told him not to fucking sell this shit i told him not to open the box or go near it what is wrong with you people yeah well it's like the last one where he got the mirror and then it was like i can't even remember my own story but it was like his mom coming back and being like yo don't fuck with this yeah exactly so quote all of this stuff has an explanation that doesn't necessarily point to this box kevin muses but when you take everything together, it starts to become very weird coincidences. Yeah, well, especially like sharing dreams and shit. Mm-hmm. I know I keep saying I'm a skeptic and people probably don't believe me, but like, because that, that's the type of shit that's like, you're like sharing dreams. That's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Yep. What can I say? So in 2003, he decides to put the cabinet up for sale on eBay. Oh, God. Yes. It did change hands a few times. Oh, God. Ca- it was bought by two different people. Um, Sorry, the dog is uh, going out. (laughs) So a lot of the information about this box was actually on his eBay listing. So I've got a lot for you on this. 
at the very end of it, he writes, I am afraid, and I do mean afraid, that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is that seems to have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. I have been told that there are people who shop on eBay that understand these kinds of things and specifically look for these kinds of items. If you are one of these people, please, please buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. End quote. God. <laughs> he's like desperate to get rid of this thing. At least he's being like forefront. Upfront about it. Yeah. Upfront about it. Like, I know this is haunted. I want people into this shit buying it. Not like, hey, <laughs> this is a beautiful antique box. <laughs> You take it, you do what you want to do with it, what you ever do with it, just get it off my hands. Yeah. So next I have like a little timestamp of just a couple days that he wrote on this. So this is all in quotes. I'm not going to do start and end for every single one. But Sunday, August 31st, 2003. Over the last week, some interesting, though possibly coincidental, items of note have come up. Firstly, I share a house with six other people. We have been taking turns sleeping with the box in each of our rooms. Hmm. Why I have Sounds no idea. like a fun experiment. <laughs> right? Two people are now complaining of burning eyes. One is listless and depleted of energy, and another became spontaneously sick. Quote, or parentheses. In retrospect, I would say it was allergies. A few oh. days after... Yeah, so he's got a couple, like, his thought after his he's note. He's a skeptic. <laughs> he's a skeptic. Oh, yeah. He's definitely a skeptic, so he's like, I think these are all coincidences, but they're odd for them to all line up. Yeah. Um, a few days after these ongoing annoyances started, the air outside our house was filled with small bugs for several hours. Parentheses. A Friday. Weird summer stuff? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Last night, Saturday, we discovered that the box, now located in the back corner of the house, had come mostly open... Though it had been shut, and it seemed highly unlikely that anyone could or would have touched it. Hmm. Wednesday, September 10th, 2003. Though it seems impossible to prove that the box has a direct cause of misfortune, we have definitely seen a tidal wave of quote-unquote bad luck. Strange odors now permeate the house. The dumpster out back overflows with trash and decay. One roommate suddenly got bronchitis, and I broke a finger. Bronchitis in, like, a young person is not, like... It's not something you suddenly get. I mean, that's weird. For, like, a young person, it's kind of weird. That's why he's like, it's just been a lot of bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> and the last bit is, uh, several mice have died in the engine of one car, and more electronic <laughs> devices seem to be dying every day. And he lists Xbox, toaster, TV, and watches. Okay, yeah, that's a lot. So that was a little timeline that he put underneath it. So the first guy that I could find that bought the Dybbuk box off of eBay was a college student, I'm going to butcher this name, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, N-I-E-T-Z-K-E, mm. Isif Nietzsche, I'm sorry, <laughs> a, st a student at Truman State University in Missouri, um, he had a blog and he wrote about his experiences. I couldn't find the blog, but I have a little short list of what he had. So this included strange odors in his house a bug infestation, malfunctioning electronic devices, a sort of large vertical dark blurs in his peripheral vision, claimed that the box caused lights to burn out in his house, and his hair to fall out. Oh no. <laughs> yep. The hair. Oh. Yep. So after this incident, he promptly put it back on eBay and a man by the name of Jason Haxton, who was the director of 
the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Missouri bought it. Hmm. Um, and this is the guy that wrote the book. And it's okay. all his experiences. So quote from him. I am a historian. I am a researcher. I do not go messing. I do not go around measuring ghost wavelengths and cold spots. Haxton says, I woke up with my right eye looking like it had been poked. Hmm. Other afflictions arrived, including fatigue, a metallic taste in his mouth, a constant nasal congestion, and a cough, and sometimes coughing up blood. Ew. Around the house, Haxton says he occasionally smells the signature odors of cat urine and jasmine flowers. Ew. Uh-huh. Like I said, the two scents that go around this box. Everyone smells the cat urine. Sometimes they smell the flowers. Yeah. But... Haxton quotes, we live in a historic home near a cemetery. We know four people have died in this home. We've never had any issues. But Haxton has a son named Ross, who was rather young when they got the box. And the reporter talked to Ross and Ross said, quote, none of this happened until we got the box. This home is normal. That box is not. It's always an event to open the box. It does not like to be moved. End quote. <laughs> Does he still... Okay, I should have asked this before, but are all the little accoutrements still with it? Like the stone and the goblet? I don't know. I have... Honestly, I have no idea. I'm guessing not, because that guy took the stuff out, refurbished the box, and now it's been on this I say It's been gifting and gifting and sold and gifted and sold, so it's like, I don't know if, like... I have no idea. It's, it's changed hands. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven hands, eight... Well, seven since he took everything out. So I don't know if he just kept putting the shit back in it. I couldn't find that anywhere. It's a great question, but I don't have an answer for you. Mm. Um, and oh, I'll get to it a little bit. So Haxon's description of the supposed original owner of the box, the, holo the Holocaust survivor, survivor Havela, reminded his mother-in-law of a story that she had heard when she was a girl. So a little bit of history. It was about a ship called the SS St. Louis. It was full of Jewish refugees who were denied asylum in the States soon after the Night of Broken Glass in 1938. The ship the was Night forced... Of broken Glass? Oh, that was a German thing. Hmm? For some reason, I'm thinking of the thing that happened in San Francisco when all the gay people freaked out about the gay bars. Oh, totally no, different. Yeah, definitely different. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> god damn it oh dear so the ship was forced to return to europe where many of its passengers died oh in the concentration camps stonewall yes god damn stonewall it. broken glass yeah no good job fuck <laughs> yep <laughs> oh dear okay so many of its passengers died in the concentration camps when they got back to europe on a whim, Haxton looked into the matter further and came across a special report to Congress. And this report was written by Harry Hamilton Laughlin. Laughlin? Laughlin. 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 In the run-up to World War II. Quote, Offer no exceptional admission for Jewish refugees from Germany, Laughlin wrote. Look upon the incoming Im immigrants not essentially as in offering asylum, but as sons-in-law to marry to our own daughters. Jewish refugees were not suitable breeding stock. 
the Laughlins were well known to Haxton as a successful family of doctors and geneticists from Missouri, whose former land is today part of the Truman State University. Okay, I just want to fire back. If you're a geneticist from Missouri, like, you're fucking your cousin. Mm -hmm. Just saying. I think, you know, you don't know shit about genetics if you're from Missouri. Probably. That's a joke, obviously. (laughs) Yes. It's like, Laughlin was like, yeah, y'all aren't good breeding stock. Fuck that guy. What the fuck? Yep. That's like some white supremacy shit. Goes a little bit further. So, one of the Laughlin brothers had applied the family trade. In the early 1900s, Laughlin befriended the famed genetics researcher Charles Davenport, considered the uh, father of the 20th century eugenics movement that the Nazis would later apply to the Jewish genocide. So cool. What a a winner. Sounds like a winner. Charles Davenport basically gave Adolf the whole idea. Great. For everything that ensued. So, yeah, he was the father of the 20th century eugenics movement that the Nazis would later apply to the Jewish genocide. By 1910, Laughlin and Davenport were so close that Davenport asked Laughlin to join the eugenics record office. It was a research institution, and Laughlin's greatest contribution was his model eugenical sterilization law, which helped individual states pass constitutionally sound laws to forcibly sterilize the mentally ill, disabled, and other socially inadequate classes such as orphans, ne'er-do-wells the homeless and it continues fucking orphans how how does being an orphan affect your genetic material it fucking doesn't no it doesn't i think i think the fact ne'er-do-wells like the v is removed ne'er-do-wells and the homeless nice and it continues um he Laughlin was influential in Germany in in 1936. The Nazi dean of a university offered him an honorary degree praising his papers that helped them craft the infamous Nuremberg Laws that sought to cure hereditary sickness through sterilization of gypsies and Jews. Hey, gypsies! As like so, the Romanis and the Jewish. Because of all this, we're also looped into the orphans, ne'er-do-wells, homeless, mentally ill, disabled, socially inadequate classes. I neglected to (sighs) mention that in World War II, the Romanis were one of the first groups to be persecuted by the Nazis. And it was like nearly two million of them died in concentration camps and shit. Hmm. It's just bullshit. All right. Laughlin wrote, to me, this honor, uh, about that honorary degree, to me, this honor will be doubly valued because it will come from a nation which for many centuries nurtured the human seed stock which later founded my own country i hate all of this <laughs> seed I stock fucking seed weirdo. stock <laughs> god damn yeah so as the atrocities in germany worsened eugenics quickly fell out of favor seen increasingly as a tool of fascism laughlin's work was discredited and the Carnegie Institution pulled all financial support. He returned to Kirksville soon after, moved into a tall white mansion, which still stands today on the campus, and he died in 1943, disgraced and friendless. Good. Yes. Fuck Laughlin. Yeah, fuck that guy. All right. So, we're nearing the end, I promise. We're almost there. So, Haxton, after doing all this research, and all that research, he... (laughs) 
<laughs> all this history and his own interactions and family shit that happened at the house he was like you know what we're gonna seal this box so he he sealed sealed it i was about to say sold I'm like that's <laughs> he sold it <laughs> <laughs> so the box was sealed before he sold it to zach bagans baggins bagans i don't know how to say it thank you and an odd turn of events, apparently, this is funny to me, Post Malone came in contact with the box. <laughs> That's why I keep some... seeing his face when I search yeah. Dybbuk box. <laughs> yeah. So he suffered some severe misfortune. According to an article from The Fader, quote, he was at the museum when Baggins decided to take the plexiglass cover from around the box off of it and touch it for the very first time. While Baggins was touching the box itself, Post Malone grabbed his shoulder. Apparently, just that you're touching the box and I touch you was enough to transfer the curse. Oh, In the months no. that followed, Post Malone experienced his private plane forced to make an emergency landing after its tires blew off. Three armed robbers targeted a home in San Fernando Valley that they believed to be his, and his Rolls Royce was involved in a serious car accident. Huh. Like, very simultaneously, right up, one right after the other. Yeah. All right. So, as I'm kind of led into over quarantine in 2020, Zach released an episode about spending time with the box and opening it for the first time. Hmm. Before you ask, no, I did not watch it. I find him an idiot, so I didn't bother to look any further, and I spent too much time, and there's too much shit. It's like, I'm not going to add another 20 minutes just to cover his episode in summary. Yeah. But it was all over my social media, but he, like, spent the night with the Dybbuk box and opened it, and it was a big thing. So, I tried to get through that kind of quickly, because I knew we were really going over time. We are just shy of two hours, so... <laughs> Longest one we've done yet, but that was that. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, that was good. Dybbuk box, fuck that. Glad that other box is gone. Hope no <laughs> one actually fucking, you know, took it into their homes. Watch it be the poor guy who, like, picks up the trash from the dumpster and he's like, oh, this is still in good shape. I'll keep it. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Let's hope not. But... All right. Yeah. But next week we are in <laughs> You're resting your nose on the mic. <laughs> I believe we we were in Arkansas, weren't we? I are we switching so. up? We um, didn't do much in Arkansas. I don't fucking know. Yeah, we just started Arkansas and our sound recording was fucked up on it. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't ever fix that, did it? Did we? I don't know. You have all we the sounds, so we did Okay, if everybody, we did a whole ass it. episode on Arkansas, and the recording got fucked. It was like the Dybbuk box was out to get us. It knew we were coming, and it just wanted to fuck everything up. So that's why. And we why. weren't even talking about, like, crazy, spooky, haunted <laughs> shit. It was like, I here's know, some dude, rope. It was like, it got, here's... it was all sorts of, like, the files are pretty much, like, we can't save them. So that's really sad. Yeah, our last episode was the Oswang. So yeah. Um, yep. 
maybe we'll redo that. But for now, we're in Arkansas. Hopefully, we'll be able to make something next week or the week after that instead of making everyone wait for, like, a fucking month, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, Say, let's... I'll be out of town next weekend, so we could do the week after that. Yeah. And we'll make it your episode. Oh, God. Yeah, we're both settling into new lifestyles, and it's been rough. Yeah. Real busy. But we're trying. We're We're trying, trying. guys. We're trying. Thanks Uh, for... Reminder. Being here and sticking it out. Yes, we appreciate you wholeheartedly, and we would love you even more if you donated (laughs) to our Patreon. We need a new microphone for Rose and we need video cameras so you can see us. We yeah. would love to do this for you. Yeah. But uh a Twitch stream would be super easy to do. Just stream while we're um recording. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Honestly, whatever anyone wants, we need some direction cuz we're just out here in our Someone own reach out order. and message us. We've been doing this for a while now. I think we started in August or something. No one's messaged us. <laughs> Not one. I think we just need better marketing. Yeah. That's All right. Fair. All right. Let's wrap this up. Y'all have a great week, weekend, couple of weeks, month. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk with you again soon. Keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>